What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. We are joined, as always, by our team of super producers. Uh, we've got uh, Dylan Fagan editing for us today, and we've got uh, we've got my longtime uh, co-host, partner in crime, Matt Madman Frederick here. Uh, I guess we should give him a more appropriate nickname, but we will we will get to that because we're returning to a subject that we have explored in the past an off and on obsession of mine. Yeah, we're talking about uh, like mobile homes and RVs and uh, living on the road really, right? Motor homes. Yeah. yeah. You've always wanted to have like a custom van or a motor home yeah. or a camper or oh, something like yeah. that, right? And I think we'll kind of cover all those. And I do want to point out that uh, you know, in our earlier episode, we, we talked about all the different class designations sure. and you know, kind of the um the nuts and bolts or the uh, the specs of all the different uh um uh, sizes that you can find and, you know, the, the variants maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today what we're going to talk about maybe is uh, just more like some of the crazy wild stuff that we've seen and what what's possible and because there's some really outstanding RVs available, um, you know, the, 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 some that are more like um, – like rolling palaces, practically. You know, they're they're incredible, aren't they? I mean, when yeah. you look at the photos, it, it just blow you away. But first, can I can I just before we even talk about this? Yes. A little sidebar, hmm. and I want to point out something that. Uh, well, a, a couple things, I guess maybe. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm coming back. I'm just now coming back from a trip to Detroit. I was there mm-hmm. for the holidays, and um, I, I want to point out that I noticed while I was there, a lot of people, or most people don't have a mobile device in their hand when they're driving. And I find that remarkable compared to where we are right now. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, because I, I find that it's the opposite here. It's that, you know, it seems like if you don't have a phone and you're not texting while you're driving, you're in the minority. Yeah, it's strange because like most parts of the U.S., we also have a law banning uh, phone mobile phone use while driving, unless I think you can do it if it's hands free. Oh, there are a few things. Okay, there's a few stipulations to this, and I, I, I'll have to look, read up on you know exactly what's sure. happening where. But one of the reasons that the uh, that it, that it's not as prevalent up there, I believe, is because from city to city they have different rules. So oh, in okay. some cities you are allowed to use a, a phone that you're holding in your hand, and others you have to be hands free, mm-hmm. and in others it's completely banned. So. 
no one wants to risk going between city lines, you know, like if, unless you knew the rules for each city that you pass through what to do. But right. it's remarkable. You'll find that almost nobody is doing that. But here in Atlanta, it's the opposite. It's almost that, you know, you can't count the number of people between, you know, the office here at my house, how many I'll see that have, you know, the phone up in the uh, either 10 or 2 position on the steering wheel. Oh, wow. Texting while they're driving. That's how bad it is here. So, right. Welcome. And, and they can be pulled over. Welcome to Atlanta, where red lights are uh, a break time for your phone. My point in all this, I guess, you know, now that we're five minutes into this thing or whatever, <laughs> is that uh, I wanted to point out this, and, and I hope that uh, somebody else can maybe do the same thing because I, I feel this is only right. I've been taking advantage of those people in traffic, Ben. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been using that to my advantage um, for a long time now, and I figured I'd just mention it now. Is that you know, at stoplights and things, and you can tell when somebody is texting, you know, in a, in a stoplight line or a stop sign oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's usually a long gap before they look up and realize that everybody has, you know, gone on through the light without them. You know, it's 200 feet or whatever. Um, that's a perfect advantage. You can jump into those spots anytime. So I've been doing that in um, all kinds of stop and go traffic in the morning when I'm, you know, driving on the expressways when, you know, it's again bumper to bumper traffic. Uh-huh. People, people texting. Are, it, the, the, the trend is leaving more and more open space on the highway if you can find those people that are doing that, and then you can get in front of them. The problem then, however, is that you have in the back of your mind that person is texting and driving, and are they going to pay attention? Are they going to run into the back end of my car? Rear end me. You, you just hope that somebody else does the same thing. So I just wanted to know if other listeners have been doing the same thing and, like, you know, kind of preying on the, the people that are texting and driving in traffic, you know, like taking advantage of the uh, the open road that's left behind. You know, you I, I have, yeah, I have, I'll be honest, because uh, even if someone just has a reasonable dash mount and they're using Waze or some other GPS service, I will, I, I have done before, not necessarily cut them off, but take advantage of the oh, open space. I'm not saying cut off. I'm saying that, you know, if... It just it just presents itself, you know that right. you know, there's that stoplight that's the four way stop, and you know you can't turn left and unless you know you have to yield yeah. on green, right? I think it's more of yeah, I think it's more a um, for me it's more of going with the flow of traffic, which they have chosen not to participate in. <laughs> that's a good way to put it, yeah, yeah. But it does offer up these opportunities that weren't there, say five years ago. Yeah, um, and I I don't know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just wanted to know if everybody has kind of seen the same trend where they live. Um, but we see it here. Anyways, okay, so that's way off topic from what we're talking about today. But let us let us know. Yeah, I'd love to know that. So, um, or some extreme examples of that again, not not really cutting people off or anything, or being a jerk about it, but just just you know, again, using the using the uh, situation to your advantage. All right, so we were talking about um, custom RVs and some crazy things that we've seen recently because oh, you man. came to me with this idea. Yeah, and I would guess I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess here, but you probably saw one in particular that you had. Um, Maybe maybe you saw something that you had never seen before in an RV. Is that right? Yes, you are correct, my friend, as usual. So uh, what did you see? I found this thing called the 1971 Star Streak Motorhome. And it is gargantuan. I'll show you just uh, another picture here. You know what? I, I know this vehicle. Yeah, I have seen this. I've posted this vehicle on our Facebook page. I think that might be where I found it. Maybe, uh, maybe it was months and months ago. But I, I love that vehicle. It's a it's a custom built RV, right? Yeah, it's built on a Tornado chassis, the nineteen seventy one. Because uh, you know, there's the second version in seventy six. Oh well, people have to look this thing up. Yeah, the seventy six version is the one that they built on a Cadillac chassis. Yes, yes. Sir. Now the Tornado would be a front wheel drive. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting for a giant vehicle like that. That's that's pretty uncommon. Well, uh, but yeah. you have to you have to see this thing to understand how cool it is, really. 
Yeah, the guy, uh, the guy who built this is an uh, engineer, so he, he knew what he was doing when he built both of these. He built them by himself at home. Uh, he had uh, – it, it's weird because he built up. You know, he built the car up from the chassis or built the vehicle. Yeah. And uh, he used a um, – Well, they're plenty wide enough. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the second one, the uh, – The Cadillac chassis. Right. Uh, Cadillac Eldorado, 1976. And it was designed – he designed both of these vehicles to fit – in a standard residential garage door, but they like just barely fit are, in. Are you kidding me? Looking at those things, you would never guess they would fit in a garage. I bet they're scraping the top. They man. must. And you know what? He, when he says standard, it's probably his garage. You know, whatever that is, <laughs> he used that as the standard because it seems like uh, you know you get anything bigger than like a small pickup truck anymore, and it won't fit in a garage. It's, yeah, it seems. Anyways, they put um, over a hundred thousand miles on the first one, but before you know, they donated this. Um, to the California Automobile Museum uh, out in Sacramento. So you can go check that out. Well, there's not too, too much on this one, but it got me thinking about, you know, the strangest, craziest RVs because people, there, there's such a long history of people building the custom vehicle of their dreams. Yeah, and I know where the other one is. Where is it? I'm gonna. I'll tell you as we get to it, though. But <laughs> okay. I, I'm pretty sure that I know where the other one is. I, the 76. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, unless it was like an, an on loan type thing to another museum. But I will. Uh, I'll dig into that in just a minute here. But oh, man. Um, yeah, there, there's some crazy vehicles, and I, I knew that there was something that had to have sparked your interest in this again. Uh, you know, when you're searching around and you find something like that, because that's a that's a really uh, that's an unbelievable example, right? Of a, of custom coachwork. You know, some that somebody's built something custom. All of these are custom, of course, that we're talking about, every single one of them. And whether it's, you know, the big type that is like a um, like a tour bus almost, you've seen those on the road, I'm right, sure, right. with, you know, the towed vehicle behind. And some even have like a, a boat and a car behind, you know, with like a two-tier trailer uh-huh. thing. Uh, some really cool setups. Um, they are extremely customizable. You can go to a place that builds custom RVs. You know, have, you can you can have them built from scratch. You know, they start out with their their basic uh, frame framework. You know, whether it's um, um, you know the the Prevost Millennium model or you know whatever it is, it's a Volvo or a, a Liberty Coach or whatever the the manufacturer is. You can go to them and have them custom build a vehicle to the exact specs that you want. And we're talking about if you haven't looked into this in a, in a while, and I mean the last maybe ten years or so. Take a look at some photos of these because they're almost like luxury homes inside. Yeah. You can get uh, you can get all the stonework done that you want. You can have any kind of fabric that you want. The window coverings, sure. Uh, all the all the um, of course we said flooring, like the entertainment system, yeah, I mean, skylights. Yeah, the master bathrooms and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, how many, how many people it sleeps, you know, that's, that's part of it as well because, um, you know, there are a lot of different considerations you have to take, um, uh, when you're, when you're creating something like this because you want it to be, uh, something specifically for you, something that's custom built for you because, uh, they're not cheap either. That's the other thing too we need to talk about is price. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often guessed at what some of these things cost as they're rolling down the road, and I'm way off on the Oof. prices apparently. Yeah, because I looked into uh, some used ones recently, and uh-huh. not not because I'm going to buy, but because of this podcast. So I looked into some of those giant. Um, I think it's pronounced Provost. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. P R E V O S T Provost. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the big bus type ones, and the, the really custom uh, coach looking ones, the ones that are like um, big tour buses that you see for sure. modern bands going across yeah. the country, but 
but they make um, you know RVs for individuals as well if you want to buy one. And I looked at one that was oh my gosh, Ben. You, it, it was used. It was ten years old, and it was pretty nice inside. It still looked really good, but oh, ten wow. years old. Yeah, so outdated yeah. to a degree. Yeah, to a degree, and you know it's got significant miles on it because they're used for traveling cross country. Four hundred thousand dollars was about the low end of the ones that I found. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand for a ten-year-old Prevost bus that um, you know, and that's again, there's a range here. You know, it could be three hundred sixty-five thousand. It could be sure. could be eight hundred thousand. Depends on what's inside that van, you know, or the the uh, the RV rather. Uh, the one I found was kind of like a middle of the road. You know, looked pretty nice inside. Had sure. medium mileage, and I don't remember exactly what the mileage was, but it was high. Um, but it, it's really it's it's unbelievable. I keep saying that it's unbelievable what you can get inside these and things. Those things are like apartments, man. Yeah, the the stuff. I mean, they have living rooms. That's bizarre to me. Yeah, and you know the limitation, I guess, would be that you're you're limited to a certain extent to the width of a of a highway lane. Right. You know, whatever the width of a of a standard highway lane is is how wide these buses are. And of course, some of them have these pop out extensions that can you know fold out for you know uh, sleeping quarters or you know whatever. Just right. more room right. in general Side when out. you're in them. It gives you a better feel inside. Um, but you're limited width wise, and that's what it's one thing that I wanted to bring up during this podcast too is that um, you know inside to me they have kind of the feel of a, like a luxury yacht almost. You know, like yeah. those old photos of old luxury yachts. Mm-hmm. But the thing was. Is that with a lot with a luxury yacht you can go almost as wide as you want. You don't have to. You're not restricted to lane width. Right. You're restricted to maybe you know the uh, you know the the um, the dock space I guess the bay that you're going to fall into. But yeah, maybe some structural stuff about seaworthiness. But there's nothing. I mean that, that really doesn't matter because you can just park that somewhere else in the marina if you have to. It's not like you have to adhere to uh, you know national standards in order to make this thing work on the road. Uh, but but. Honestly, like if you if you got a forty foot long apartment that's two stories tall, in <laughs> some cases, um, you know you, you can cram a lot of stuff into there. Some really interesting stuff too. And uh, as you said, they have custom uh, custom kitchens. They have custom right. living rooms. Sure, sleeping areas. Yeah, they have uh, captain's chairs. They have um, you know anything you can find in a house really is is there on a smaller scale maybe. Now, and of course, we'll say this is not about RV culture. Uh, and I myself am at best decades away from actually buying an RV if I ever did. I think what I would like to do is take a trip in one with someone else. You know what I mean? Like rent, a road trip. Like rent one, maybe? Maybe. Or, or if they own one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Maybe That's if a better I could option. just bum a ride. <laughs> Somebody who's familiar with it. You I'll know, just like be like the cook. Yeah. I'll be crew on an RV. Because <laughs> some of these are big enough where you have to think, like, what, do they have a crew? It, you know, it almost feels that way. Like, somebody would have to maintain this. And I would bet that, uh, you know, the downtime is also expensive, you know, like having things maintained and, and keeping them in condition to be uh, used again. Let's say it's let's say it's three months in between your next, you know, when sure. you came home and your next trip. Yeah. Uh, there are things that you'd have to do to get that ready. And I would guess that a lot of people that own the really big ones, you know, the million-dollar, uh, you know, rigs are the ones that um, – you know, they can have them professionally maintained, I would think. I, yeah. I, would, I would guess you would do that. You take it to the fa- the manufacturer and have them do that and have it ready for your next trip. Or it's your baby and you spend those three months working on it. Well, yeah. If you're retired, you might be able to do that. You might have to t- mm-hmm. the time to be able to, uh, you know, fix whatever you want to. And I think that's probably um, the case for a lot of people is that they're, they're do-it-yourselfers, you know, even though they're, they're, they're working on these million-dollar rigs. So Scott, you and I looked into looked into this before, and and we're constant like off air. We end up 
trading uh, a lot of different lists, mm-hmm. you know, like what are the um, best performance cars under 30,000, yeah. stuff like that, uh, to really crazy things like um, what's the, what are the largest engines in the world. Mm-hmm. And this idea of craziest RVs, um, you know, one inspiration was the 1971 Star Street, but the original inspiration for me, uh, for for a long time, uh, actually even before you and I started working on this show together, was this thing called the Surface Orbiter. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. The the <laughs> a Surface the Orbiter, Doberton Surface Orbiter. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you just a. How do you spell Doberton? Uh, D o b b e r t i n. Okay. Uh, so it looks like this. Oh boy. Wow, it's a, that looks like something out of Flash Gordon. Yeah, it does. It's all chrome. It's uh, it's got it's amphibious. It's got six large tires and then six spares on the top. I know what it reminds me of now. What you know those uh, like in let's say in Scooby Doo or something they're going to have a boring machine. You know that that like is going to oh, yeah, like yeah. a tunneling vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It has a very pointed end that looks like a drill bit almost. Mm-hmm. That's what that looks like to me. Well, this uh, the body is a 1959 stainless steel milk tanker. Oh, cool! Uh, the guy who built it this is this is pretty interesting. His name's uh, Rick Doberton. Uh, he was born in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, in 1952. Uh, his dad worked for GMAC, and so he was always into designing, engineering, and several several things like this. He designed uh, two hot rods. On his own, uh, back in the eighties, you know, he probably grew up seeing the old Airstream trailers as well. You know, the, yeah. sil- the silver Airstream yeah. trailers that probably had some influence on him. So this thing, the Doberton Surface Orbiter, thirty-two feet long, made from stainless steel, he wanted to circumnavigate the Earth over it with land and sea without any type of support vessel. Wait, 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 wait. Land and sea. Yeah. So this is something. This is an amphibious vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I would never guess that's amphibious. Looking at that, maybe are there portholes on the side? Maybe. Uh, maybe that would indicate that it's amphibious. I don't know. No, I think just the um, just the structure itself from the cockpit would be fair to call it, it on it, this. It reminds me of like a big Tundra type vehicle or something. You know, like really high up and it's got yeah. big wheels and yeah. uh, just it, seems, it doesn't seem like it's amphibious. You can go to the website and see pictures of it cruising in lakes in the Atlantic and okay. stuff. In the Atlantic? The guy's crossing the Atlantic in that thing? 30,000 miles on land, 3,000 miles at sea. No way. Yep. Wow. And uh, he said that he encountered rough waters as well. Well, I can imagine after you know tra- well, cross, trying to cross the Atlantic, you're going to encounter rough waters. Yeah, no kidding. But but uh, this is not. This was featured on Japanese television. It was featured on US TV too, I think. Uh, and you can read the you can read the specs and how he built this on his um, on his website and how he made this thing actually float and actually work because a lot of people have that dream like circumnavigating the globe you hear it most often with someone saying you know i want to take my boat my my yacht or whatever yeah uh, or, a, or a vehicle and they're going to ferry the vehicle you know across right. the, the bodies of water they can't drive through of course right but right. this guy wants to do the whole thing in one vehicle right which i'm, I'm sure it's been done before i'm just saying that thing i mean you'd never guess that that thing would make it really I mean, it looks cool and everything, but it doesn't look like it would stand up to an around-the-world trip. Right. Uh, so it's... Just my first impression. It's fascinating. 
you know, uh, I think he ended up going. Uh, I mean, he ended up going at least uh, twenty-eight countries, two continents. Hmm. Uh, but he also didn't stop there. He also built another thing called the hydrocar. Uh, he launched the project in two thousand two, and as of let's see. I didn't follow up on who owns it now, but in 2011, he was selling it on eBay for $777,000. Whoa. It looks nice, man. Hydrocar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just say that because he's still building stuff. I know it's not exactly an RV. The surface orbiter is way closer. Uh, as of 2011, the surface orbiter belonged to a guy named uh, Chuck Parsons, Chicago-area car collector who bought it in 2004. That's got to be on display somewhere. For an undisclosed price. Oh, for an Okay, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But uh, this – and these are just like two examples of one-offs. These are not – these are not anywhere near the world's most expensive. No, RVs. no. And I think I have – I've probably seen a few of the world's most expensive, not in person, but I mean on, on some of the sites that I've gone to because the, the, the luxury interiors that I'm trying to describe, oh, which gosh. I don't know. I don't know if I'm even coming You're close. You're doing to, it. You know, the, the word is opulent. Yeah, that's it. I mean some of the let, – let's say that you have a custom kitchen in an RV mm-hmm. and uh, to add some uh, some extra glamour to the whole thing, they say that they've got, you know, Swarovski – that's how you pronounce that, I guess? The, Swarovski the crystal, crystals. Swarovski crystals. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, the, like the door handles or the drawer handles, I guess, on these cabinets are of, the, of those crystals, uh, you know, and, and like different color gemstones and stuff. You know, it's like that's that's the kind of level of detail that they're talking about here. And again, right. granite countertops and marble. Hand-cut hand wooden flooring. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, marble and hand-cut wooden flooring. And, um, you know, one thing that I found, this is this is really interesting to me. I, I never really thought about this, but in a lot of these custom RVs, the big ones, you'll rarely find a bathtub. And that's probably with good reason. I would guess that, you know, it would be a difficult thing to do to take a bath if you're moving anyways, which is highly dangerous. Sure. But it takes up so much space. That's the reason. Yeah, I think usually they have – it goes back to space restrictions, like you say, because usually they would have maybe a showering facility. Yeah, they well, they almost always have a shower versus having a bathtub. So that's one thing that you would have to give up, a creature comfort that you'd have to give up if you're on the road uh, in your RV, unless you had one, again, custom-made with a bathtub, knowing that you're giving up a lot of space for that bathtub. It also reminds me of the... Um the tiny house movement. You know about those guys? Yeah, I do. We've had a few of those uh, visit here in our building, right? I'm, right. They've, they've pulled a few on their property and allow you to walk around in, inside them mm-hmm. uh, in exchange for, what, a certificate for uh, like an ice cream cone or something inside. <laughs> they get they draw up, you know, attention. Right. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, the, the tiny house movement is really I, – I, I would say that it, it's kind of waning at this point, don't you think? I think part of it is – it depends on what part of the country you're in, but – it's maybe it's not getting as much mainstream attention. The reason I bring it up is because while they are two very different endeavors, the idea of space management is um, is a priority in both of those. It's almost identical, right? right. I mean, uh, in that you have to create a living space that you're comfortable in for more than you know an overnight stay somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a like maybe a pop up camper would be. You, well, you're creating more of a home environment. Yeah, I stayed in a tiny house thing in Nashville the last time I was the last time I was there, and from an engineering perspective and a design perspective, I was uh, profoundly impressed. I had no idea you had done this. Is this uh, was it like a community of tiny houses or what? No, it was just this one in really this, <laughs> the, like, on this lady's property, just yeah. like a rental thing. Yeah, right? and it was pretty cool, man. I think I could live in one of those. 
by myself. That's pretty interesting. I, if I lived with another person, we'd have to be very uh, – we would have to be, like, married or something. Like, well, super compatible. Super I mean, compatible. You couldn't have any disagreements. No. Right, so, uh, but, but well, the, that's, that's – So you can't have a shower there. No. And or you can't have a bathroom. I'm glad you brought up tiny homes, too, because a lot of people have done this where they're they're towing their tiny home on a trailer mm-hmm. and calling that, like uh, – well, it's not really a, an RV, really. But it's similar, you know, and the, the 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 principle, I guess, behind it is the same as what you were talking about, you know, where you can't have certain things. You have to um, carefully plan every inch of your space for maximum use. Yeah, and so these, despite their opulence uh, and their very high end uh, accoutrement, I think we can go French at that point. Sure, uh, they're they're very high end. Uh, different bells and whistles, they still have the same restrictions on space. So what do you say, Scott? What are some of the craziest RVs that you have seen recently? Well, I've seen some that have, of course, you know, I guess it's an interesting idea to me that they would have um, sleeping quarters for as many as like 12 people. You know, that you could you could take um, – it's almost like the idea behind the old uh, sleeper cars and in, in, in trains, really, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you're stacked almost like uh, – and not quite as bad as this, but, you know, like in a submarine where you're like on one on top of the other in oh, bunks, yeah. you know, really, really yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite that bad. It's more – it, again, is more like a sleeper car for a train. Um, but I think to me some of the most impressive ones that I've seen are the ones that have um, like a theme to them. Yeah, like if you, you're you particularly fond of a, a specific region in the United States or in the world or wherever, you could kind of, uh, you know, build this themed vehicle around, uh, you know, that, that region, whether it's, you know, the native woods of the area or it's the artwork or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting idea. But you know what? Before we uh, we talk about more themed vehicles, maybe, sure. let's take a, uh, a word, take a break for a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Scott, I've got one. All right. Okay. There's one called the wood wagon, which some people are not going to find very impressive, but it's definitely thematic. And you mentioning Native Woods made me think of this. It's built on a 1939 Ford Forestry truck chassis, uh, but it's been described by its critics as a rolling tinderbox. It has a shingled roof, a wooden door, uh it's recommended to get when you go completely insane. Oh, oh boy! But it's you know it's it's super old school. It's made to the the camper part is made to look as if it is a rustic uh, cabin or a log. It looks like a log. It looks like a log. A it looks gi- like a Lincoln log like a, with a door and a window. A giant log. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And it's built on an old truck chassis. Right, um, and the uh, the actual cab of the truck is separate from the uh, from the camper, so you'd have to exit the truck to enter. The cabin. Oh, area. that's that's it. Yeah, you're right. So there's uh, there's no ease of access between the two there, like there is in the modern RV, right? Because um, you know, I wonder that too. I always often wonder how much fun is it for the guy driving the RV, really? I mean, I think everybody else is having a much better time in that RV. Oh yeah, uh, than the driver. Oh, it's and, no fun. And I've kind of felt that way about custom vans all along too. You know that uh, you know it, it might be fun to drive for a while, but the people in the back are the ones having all the fun. You know, they're in the right. they're in the swivel seats. They're uh, you know they're, they're drinking. They're they're mm-hmm. you know playing games, whatever they're doing. Yeah, uh, or whatever. I don't want to. Let's not go down this road. <laughs> I just they're doing whatever <laughs> they are doing back there. But it's yeah. uh, they're having more fun than the driver. I oh, would absolutely. Guess. Yeah, and that's that makes me think. This is off topic, but that makes me wonder if. Uh, RVs, luxury RVs are going to be some of the first to pick up autonomous vehicle technology. Oh, yeah. Well, wouldn't that be an interesting idea? Then you could just drive in this great big party bus, right? Yeah, but if everybody, if every human drive, human possible driver there is drinking or something, then that wow. idea is kaput. You'd still have to have someone be the DD. Well, right now you would. You'd have to have someone sit sit there, even if they're not driving. And things are changing so fast, Ben, that it's going to happen. And that's, okay, that's another thing. We keep, you know, branching off into sure, different things here, yeah. but this is what makes it fun is that um, I often wonder about the, the seatbelt rules in these, too, because I, I believe there's probably a seatbelt rule that they're they're supposed to be buckled in, you know, during right. while the vehicle's in motion. But I wonder how often that is uh, – that's, uh, you know, it's kind of pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, I would bet that happens a lot, you know, because you can get – well, why not? If you can start making, you know, the sandwiches before you get to the picnic area, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you do that? You know? Yeah. Why not? Or what before you get to thick? the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, you know, you need to get the, uh, you know, the flotation devices ready for when you get to the, the, uh, the, the lake or whatever. I bet that really depends on each vehicle, you know, like the family or the people in it. Yeah. And also, I mean, how possible is it? I mean, how stable do you really feel in there when you're going down the road at 65 or 70 miles an hour? 
That's, right. That's, and, and again, if something happens, man, you're in bad shape because you're flying across a room, you know, instead of just right. contacting the dash, you know, if you're buckled in or whatever, uh, it could be really, really bad. And how far should these go? Because there's almost a, um, an obsession in the minds of some people. Uh, with building the most extravagant, outrageous thing, just like the uh, just like the custom vans we talked about in Japan. Like here's here's another example. This is called the Castle on Wheels. Okay, look at that. <laughs> it looks like a, a church. It has a two story part, and it uh, and it's built on. Uh, it's built to be hauled by a Peterbilt. It's Peterbilt three seventy nine, and then just a custom built house. But it looks like you can't turn on it. It looks like you can't really take it anywhere other than straight. And one of the questions about this is, at what point should you just get a real house <laughs> and a separate car? Well, but it's not mobile. It's not mobile. But look, is this thing mobile? Uh, it's it's questionably mobile. It's I guess. semi-mobile. It's a, oh, very good, Ben. That's oh, good, wait. I just yeah. got that. Hey, <laughs> look no, at me. That's true. No, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, you know, there, there are probably still restrictions even on these things, you know, the le- maximum length and width and height, of course, mm-hmm. of course, to be able to travel on the uh, on the freeways. But, um, yeah, that one, to me, it doesn't even look like you can make a make a 90-degree turn with that thing anywhere. It doesn't – it seems – a bit frivolous, I guess, in a way, right? I mean, it's right. like you just can't do a whole lot with it. It's not as functional as another RV would be if you were to have something that was maybe a little bit more tame in appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, that's probably got a lot of features that maybe you can't get in something else because of the size. Right. And that, that might be it. And, you know, Ben, we, we talk about, we talk about some of these crazy, you know, one-offs and stuff, but there have been versions of this that are, um, not not quite as extravagant for a long, long time too, and that's like old band buses, right? They sell them on the same sites. If you go to yeah. an RV site, you know, for motorhomes or whatever, for yeah. campers, they sell band buses, and they tend to sleep a lot of people, like you know, the the twelve sleeper or the six sleeper, that, right? You know, and they have, they have bunks, and they have a small kitchen area yeah. with a dining uh, with a dining table. Yeah, and maybe like a little lounge area that yeah. you can hang out in with a couch or something like yeah. that. It's like a small version of it. It's definitely not as plush, and it's. A lot more like an old uh, bus, like a like a tour bus or like a a team bus or something. And I think those work for people because they're, um, you know, if you're in a band situation or in a touring situation, then you are spending the majority of your time in that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, it makes sense for it to become like an apartment. Yeah. But it's still small quarters for 12 people. Well, it sure is. And you know what? There's even uh, some other versions of this that I want to talk about in yeah. just a moment. But let's take a break for a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. 
But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and I wanted to mention another type of um, – I don't know if you can call it an RV or not. It's not mm. really an RV, but it kind of gets lumped in with them too. What is that? These are like um, – you can call them house cars, I guess. And house it, cars. Yeah, house cars. And the earliest example I could find of this was some, from some place that we want to talk about in just a moment. So maybe we should talk about that place first, and then we'll get to this vehicle. Okay, How about where'd, that? You, where'd you find this? I've, I've, Boy, it's a roundabout way to get to this, isn't it? <laughs> this is from the RV and Motorhome Hall of Fame, which has also another branch of this called, um, like, a, uh, called the RV Founders Hall. Uh huh. So the RV Hall of Fame is in Elkhart, Indiana, and it's a it's a great big campus. I mean, you can park your giant RV there and and go in and see this. Uh, but the RV Hall of Fame has been around since 1977, I believe, or I'm sorry, 1972. And in 1972, they inducted, you know, the first class of people that, you know, they thought were, um, um, I guess, deemed um, part of the, yeah, influential or somehow part of the history of the RV movement. Historically significant. Which goes back a long, long way. And that gets to the vehicle that I want to talk about in just a moment. But uh, this RV Hall of Fame is, um, again, it's maintained. It's got over 400 members today. And there's kind of a, like a wall of fame that you can go see. And, um, they've got this great library with like 20,000 industry publications that you can go and take a look at. So if you're really into RVs, this is a place to go in Elkhart, Indiana. There's yeah. more to it than that for the, for the Hall of Fame. But that's the one where they actually induct members. The thing that maybe would interest most people would be, um, in our audience anyways, would be the RV Founders Hall. Now, the RV Founders Hall is a display of trailers and photographs and memorabilia that goes back all the way to the 1920s and 1930s, and it's open to the public. So you can go and look at this kind of uh, this big museum mm-hmm. that presents in a chronological and technological advanced way, uh, or I guess in a um, chronological manner, the technological advances that were made in RVs and motorhomes um, that, that range from really right after World War I all the way to the present day. So they've got a lot of things. And the one that I wanted to talk to you about, Ben, now we're finally getting to it. 
uh-huh. is a, a vehicle called the a house car, and it's in particular it's May West's 1931 Chevrolet house car. And I'll show you a photograph of it here. It's this blue vehicle in the corner. Oh and anybody yeah, yeah. can look this up. It's not really an RV. It's not really a motorhome. It's more of a um, like a like a luxury vehicle that she could relax in on the way to the studio. The the studio bought this vehicle as a way to. Uh, you know, get you know, Mae West, who was a uh, Miss West, as they call her, was a uh, um, an actress, yes. and it was a way to get her between um, Paramount Studios and her home, and so they would they would shuttle her back and forth in this uh, this this comfort coach or this uh, this mo- this house car, so that she could arrive you know well rested and ready to go. I thought that was pretty interesting, and we've seen other vehicles like that when we were at the. AACA Museum. Mm-hmm. We saw a vehicle. It was a, uh, I think it was a Pierce Arrow. It was Arrow. a Pierce Arrow, yeah, yeah, for the studio. Yeah. The, the one s- with the silver wheels. Yes, that's right. And Oof, did you hear my Tennessee on that <laughs> one? I have a tough time with that. Silver wheels. It's all right. We all do it occasionally, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they had created these, uh, um, this, this different kind of class of vehicles that was meant for extreme extremely luxurious trips to and from the studios. Like if you lived up in the Hollywood Hills, you would ride into the studio and again, you would be ready to go when you got on set or you'd be at least well rested and not, you know, worn out from this exhausting trip in these 1920s and 1930s cars. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a, an, an interesting thing. And the uh, the Founders Hall, I'm going to say it, Ben, I believe, I, I checked out their, uh, they have an inventory um, tab and I think that that is where I saw the 1976 Cadillac version of the, um, you know, the earlier one that you mentioned. You said the Star Streak was the 1971 version of right. the custom RV. I believe the 1976 Cadillac is in this Founders Hall exhibit. If not, um, I, I think it was a, a rental, maybe like a loaner vehicle, rather. We got to go. We yeah, gotta check it out. Yeah, I'll check out that tab again because I, I I was looking at it last night, and they've got a little bit of everything. You walk down this uh, this roadway um, in in this Founders Hall. And it kind of takes you, as they say, you know, it's like a road back into time where they go back, you know, from different pop-up type campers and early vehicles that look more like tents on wheels, really. <laughs> and uh, I think they even have a Model T version there. There's one that's built on a Model T that has more than anything, it's like just a tent on top of it, but it's got a bunch of pull-out drawers that were custom made. And that's kind of like the early, early version of this. And then later on, they're going to... Uh, some vehicles that were restored by the manufacturers that built them. So if they have significant, significant vehicles that were built by, say, Winnebago, yeah. Winnebago would be in charge of the restoration of that vehicle. So you know that it's spot on restoration. That's it's, great. It's exactly yeah. right. And, you know, like there's the Fleetwood Pace Arrow and there's, um, uh, you know, pop up trailers and there's the GMC Motorhome, you know, like a, the classic version of the, the, the Bounder, you know, was there. Um, you know, the, the prototype that they made for the 1985 Bounder. So, all kinds of stuff in this museum, and I know it may not sound super interesting to everybody in the audience, sure. but it's kind of one of those things that I feel like if you went to see it, you would probably be enthralled by it and more interested than you thought. Um, a lot in the way that, uh, you know, we, we kind of felt maybe the same way about the bus exhibit at oh, yeah. the AACA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, it's it's interesting you got a bunch of buses downstairs. Uh, maybe we can just stay up here and look at this. But we do, went down and looked at them, and they ended up being one of the most fascinating parts of that museum to me. It's true. To I me, did anyways. not expect that. I, yeah, I mean, it's really, really cool. And it's not that I didn't want to see them or anything. It's just we were tight on time. And when our tour guide said, you know, let's go take a look at this, we thought, well, okay, then we'll go look and see. But we probably spent a few minutes down there. Yeah. turned out we were we actually got really excited by it because of what we found down there. It was uh-huh. amazing. So these buses and RVs and everything, if you give them a chance, if you go and really see them and, you know, um, maybe read some of the history about them, 
Uh, they're probably more interesting than you think. Yeah, because they came from a time when the majority of interstate travel, I guess, would the the majority of trips that people would normally use a plane for were accomplished by not cars necessarily, but commercial buses. Yeah, yeah. And so the buses then had a uh, pretty luxurious interior. I mean, there was a lot of space. They were, you know, maybe velvet seats that had yeah, armrests and they, they had, had footrests. ropes and stuff. And yeah. then they had people... They had people who functioned as stewards or stewardesses. Yeah, and they had, like, wood planks on the floors in between them. And it was yeah. just really, like, it was really well done. And they had a lot of space up ahead, uh, you know, overhead. for headroom. For, yeah, I mean, uh, and for, for bags and things like yeah. that, too. There was uh, plenty of room in there. It was just, it was a really interesting experience. And I, and I just I have to feel, I kind of feel the same way that... This RV museum would be the same way. If you went, we were to go and explore it, I think that uh, most people, oh, sure. you know, take it at face value, they would think, like, ah, I don't really want to go. But uh, once you're in there, I think you would be excited by it. Well, yeah. And then, plus, who can resist a good museum on any kind of vehicle? Well, that's true. And I, I would guess that they've got some modern examples, too, if you want to check out some of these luxury coaches. And if not, if, you know, if nothing else... Check them out in the parking lot because you know that everybody that's stopping there is going to have one, right? They're going to have yeah. you know the million dollar machine outside or two million dollar machine because yeah. we didn't, we haven't really said that. There's some that break the two million dollar mark on this on these, and oh, yeah. uh, those are the ones that you know are over the top with the decorating and the materials that are used inside. You know, it's very, they're very opulent and right. uh, have you know the lounge areas you know to uh, to make business deals or whatnot the RVs um, of sheiks yeah. <laughs> which is true they are the RVs of of sheiks in the middle east that's true yeah that, that happens as well so oh my god can we just talk about this one yeah sure i'm so okay this is the one that blows my mind it is called the marchi mobile element with cat two capital m's palazzo Okay, I can't. I, I'm lost. What is it? It's this one. <laughs> oh wow! It's that's crazy. Two point five to three million dollars. Wow. Okay. And uh, the, what, the easiest way to spot this one, if you do a search, is that it has a circular windshield. Yeah. Uh, here, I'm going to. Well, I tell you a little bit about this. Yeah. I'm going to let this uh, animation play for you, Scott. And yeah. This is something that people can look up at home uh, when you're not driving. So what you get for this is essentially a transformer. It has a uh, it has an upper deck that launches up out of the vehicle to create seating at the top, a staircase that drops down. It is, uh, of course, insanely customizable. Uh, and it has also those slide-out sections where people sleep. It looks like somebody smacked the a UFO on the front end of the vehicle. This though. does look like a yacht, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. inside it and out. exactly it, like a it, yacht. It has a lot of styling of a modern yacht. And mm-hmm. when you're describing that as a, uh, a transformer, that's exactly what it does. That that upper deck, the um, uh, yeah, I guess you call it a full deck, right? Because right. sides fold up to make a, make a railing. Mm-hmm. And then an entire couch area like a seating area pops up out of the yeah. uh, out of the floor it's unbelievable plus a canopy on top of that plus the canopy uh, it's amazing it's really cool how this thing uh, this thing transforms but for 3 million dollars maybe that's what you expect to happen it is the most expensive recreational vehicle uh, that has ever been on sale. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's uh, you know subject to taste, but I wouldn't call this a beautiful vehicle. No, I think it's, I think no. it's very functional. I bet it's. Uh, it seems like it's very aerodynamic. Like maybe they had that in mind when they designed it. Yeah. Um, to a to a point, I guess that, that windshield's awful weird. It seems more like. Uh, 
you know when there's a a very high class art museum or something and they get a an architect to just make something memorable looking yeah it yeah. looks kind of like that yeah i kind of agree i don't and know I, how aerodynamic it is and well, i see you more as a, a i see i've got i think i've got a vehicle you like more what's that i think you're more of a featherlight vantair platinum plus man oh boy okay what's this Oh wow! Because wow, for only two point five million dollars, Scott, you can get an RV that functions like a Class A RV. So it looks, you know, like one of those commercial touring buses. Yeah, but with the added advantage of adding of of stowing a sports car of your choice in the undercarriage and just taking it with you between the wheels. Between the so, wheels, so you park on a, it looks like a platform that that slides off from between the wheels. Yeah, and on the passenger side, and you uh, you drive onto that platform, and then I guess it just pulls it back inside and yep. closes the flap, and you're on your way, right? And that keeps it nice and low and covered and inside. Yep. That's really nice. That's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. I like those. Uh, you know what? The other thing I've seen this on a couple of other. Um, if you look up the same example, you know, yeah. on your own, um, you know, the, the mirrors that stick out of the front there look like yeah. an antenna almost, yeah, yeah, or yeah. ears that are bent down in uh-huh. the front. I've seen that on a lot of custom vans or, or buses, I suppose. Recently, it's an interesting idea. It's a, it's a weird look, isn't it? it? Gives it kind of like a uh, like a bug appearance almost. It's a weird look, but it's it's also necessary because of all those blind spots. Again, it's just an enormous. Would vehicle. love to ride in them, but would not really want to drive it. I mean, it's a huge brick on wheels, really. And, uh, you know, we haven't... Boy, I don't even know if I've... I've got a a number here for you, but I wonder what miles per gallon is in that. Or is it gallons per mile uh, (laughs) for these? Because, you know, they have have enormous engines, of course. They have enormous engines. Have to. Uh, I think for the element, the Marchi that I mentioned earlier, uh, I think it's probably around... a thousand bucks to fill the gas tank yeah yeah so it's a lot like a yacht again yeah uh, so giant giant tanks because you're going to go long distances in these things and they're likely a lot of them are diesel of course um so you'll find a lot of diesel technology in them so they have enough torque uh to be able to pull you know these things uphill if you're traveling in the mountains or mountainous regions um but man that, and also yeah. pulling you're pulling a trailer of course you know that could be another vehicle or it could be a boat or it could be a vehicle you're and right. a boat that vantera platinum for instance uh the gas tank is 235 gallons. 235 gallons at today's price. Uh, let's say it's a ballpark at 250, something like that. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm not going to do the math. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And take something like that over to Europe where it's, you know, the, the gas is... By the liter. Oh, it's by the liter and it's $6 or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's crazy. So um becomes even less affordable or even more of a luxury maybe. That's the way you should look at it. You know, that's even... Right. You know, if, if you're... Tooling around in something like this—that's a—that's definitely a luxury. But I think who, people who get these aren't especially stressing the cost of gas. No, no, I don't think so. I'm just going to go on a limb. No, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What do you have on the docket? Did you find anything that just blew you away? Uh, nothing in particular, no. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I was I, I was looking at the uh, the Prevost site and all of the variants that they sell on their used. Site because I was I was interested in the used ones because of the pricing the new ones I know are, are you know outlandish I was trying to find something that you know I could relate to our listeners and maybe to look forward to in retirement or something uh, you know but the four hundred thousand dollar mark that's still pretty high for a lot of people Oof, yeah. you know that well that's I, I guess if you consider that that's selling your home and hitting the road for you know a year at a time um, mm. maybe it's affordable I don't know yeah and maybe, not for everybody but it, it's for some people yeah it's definitely not for everybody but. It may be uh, something that is right for you. I want to hear from people who own an RV and have had the experience and also want to give a shout-out to our longtime listener, uh, Rudy, uh, who... (laughs) 
He's, he cautioned you. He rightly cautioned me, and we said this on air before, but I, I want to emphasize this uh, because he did pick up on me saying, maybe I'm just in love with the idea. And he told me essentially what a, what a pain in the keister yeah. uh, RV lifestyle Well, he be. had a, he had experience as a child, uh, you know, uh, as camping in a renovated bus, I believe it was, mm-hmm. that, that you know, was made into an RV or a camper of some kind. And uh, said so it's not exactly what it's all cracked up to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not, wait, is that right? See, I do this every time with these sayings, right? It's not, <laughs> it's it's not what it's cracked up to be. Or yeah, is that's it, right. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I got one. You nailed it, man. Oh, great. Knocked it out of the park. Home run. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I'll look it up later. It's really one of the easier ones. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, another thing that I wanted to mention briefly while we're related to the while we're while we're on this stage is uh, what are called the Earth Roamers, and the Earth Roamers are a heavily modified pickup truck chassis with extended cabs that result in uh, that, re- that results in a pretty efficient but oddly spacious interior and. The, they're also they describe themselves not as uh, recreational vehicles, not as RVs, but XVs. So huh. expedition. It almost vehicles. looks like a like a like a uh, pickup truck with a, a you know a camper top that's put on the back. Only right. it's part of the body of the vehicle now. It's not really like just yeah. plopped on top of it. So mm-hmm. uh, it becomes more of like one vehicle. Exactly. But so. uh, but interesting idea. It's very small. Like a again, it's just like a small camper really. Right, right. But they've made it into more of an RV, I guess, in that you can, and maybe that's, maybe that's not the right. Maybe it's a motorhome. I don't know. Yeah, it has a um, stronger, uh, stronger engine uh, as well because it's on that, because it's on that pickup chassis. But you can see here oh, in videos how it's joined. There's a lot of space in this thing. Yeah, it's surprisingly well, yeah. well used. Yeah, it really is. And and the thing is, I think it looks like maybe maybe this one that we're looking at is joined to. Uh, the cab so that you can access that from the front. Uh, and that's the difference, I guess. That's what I was trying to struggle with just a moment ago. Like, does mm. that, I wonder if that's what makes it an RV, uh, is versus, the versus a camper. Yeah, that's like, a good point. You know, plopping something on the back of a pickup truck and calling that a, an, an RV, you can't really do that, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. And this, this one home. has solar panels and, and stuff like that, water filtration systems. So it's designed to be, out in the wild a little bit more than, you know, many typical RVs, which depend on a faucet hookup or something. Oh, yeah. You have to have the utilities at the places right. that you go and make sure that they've got the space for you and everything. This looks like more like a, like an adventure, you know, like yeah. somebody that's going on a, a hunting trip or a canoe trip or something. Remember when we looked at, um, was it the modified, was it on a Unimog chassis, the Unicat or whatever, that uh, vehicle that's designed for... Uh, Expeditions yeah. through yeah. the Sahara and other desert environments. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember the name yeah. of this thing. The thing with well, the giant wheels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The soft wheels. Yeah, gigantic and soft. Um, this uh, this is crazy. I know this has been a little bit of a potpourri or a mix of different recreational vehicles and live-in vehicles yeah. that we find fascinating. But, Scott, I just – I did not know – that 
the phrase land yacht had a more appropriate thing. I always used it as a joke about the big cars that I have historically <laughs> driven. Yeah, you know? I, I guess so. I mean, it, it, they're looking more and more like yachts, really. Like actual yachts. Yeah, they really are starting to look like you know the, on the water yachts, but the but on the road. Um, I, yeah, I think everybody uses the term land yacht as like the, you know the giant old vehicles. The, I think so too. Yeah, sure. The huge I think most people barges. are way more likely to think of like an Oldsmobile. When they say land yacht. Yeah, a big Cadillac. Than, yeah, right. Like a exactly. 20, 20 foot long Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more than, uh, more than an RV that looks like a yacht. But, uh, but that's the way they're going. They are starting to look a lot like the custom yachts. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's just, if you haven't looked at one, if you, I mean, we've given you plenty of examples to look up now. And I right. know that sometimes that's maddening if you're in your car or something. You have to write them down or whatever, but, uh, or listen to this again, maybe. If that, how painful that is, but um, <laughs> but if you uh, if you want to uh, you know check out some of the ones that we've we've pointed you to today, or maybe you know show us some that you found, or yeah. some that are in your area, like you know if you have one that's a you know someone who's a local that has built something custom and really strange, really unique, uh, would love to see it because there's a lot of examples of that out there too. That you know Ooh. people people build these things in their garage. Um, you know, for that one time, you know, that one day when they're going to retire and be able to, you know, maybe head out on the road for a couple of months or something. Um, mm-hmm. That's their dream, their bucket list, you know, locations around the U.S. or whatever. Um, but we'd love to see some of the, uh, you know, the custom jobs that have come from small towns here and there. Yes. And Scott, I, I have to ask, would you ever see, would you ever see your, you and your family uh, years from now uh be a part of that RV lifestyle? No, but I, I think, you know, like you, I might like to try to rent one sometime and uh, and, and try it out. Yeah. I, I definitely would not want to just buy one and assume that that's going to work. You know, that, 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 <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I think that's, that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Um, but also, man, that'd be kind of strange. I wonder what kind of training you'd have to have in order to, to rent some of these. Like, I would guess that, you know, for certain size vehicles, you'd have to have a CDL license. You know, or a, uh-huh. I, that's redundant. I know, but um, right. you'd have to have a CDL. CDL. How about that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you would you would probably have to have some type of training to drive some of the bigger ones. I would think, mm-hmm. um, or at least they should if they don't. Anyways, but I've seen some smaller ones that are, are for rent, and they have you know signs on the side that you know this vehicle was rented at. You know, they give the location. Right. Um, the the idea is intriguing, but uh, I don't know. You you've maybe had a better idea is that you know you maybe just kind of become frenzy with somebody that has one. And, yeah. uh, and and maybe go along that way, or you know, for the people who are especially um, especially into an RV but not driving one, they would probably. I'm sure there's some company where they would hire somebody to drive for them. Yeah, which I I wouldn't do. I think you, if you if you're gonna get an RV, if you're gonna get anything like that, you need to get it warts and all. If you like it that much, you should be driving yeah, it. Yeah, I kind of put this in the same category with like you know those crazy custom houseboats that they have. Oh, a lot, yeah. on a lot of reservoirs down here in the south. Yeah, um, and you know everywhere really. Anywhere there's a reservoir, there's going to be these giant custom houseboats. You can rent those for a week or a month or whatever, and just head out with the family and see how it goes. I guess that's maybe a similar thing, right? I mean, you're, yeah, you're not on the open road. You're not you're kind of restricted. You're res- restricted to the waterways, but um, you know maybe that's your thing. You know, I went through a phase where I was fascinated by uh, what are called canal boats in the United Kingdom. Have you heard of these? Canal boats? No, I've, I've the, seen like I've I've seen one. Is it long, real extremely thin with a cabin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that's the thing that got me was I was I was captivated. I thought, how could multiple people, 
you know, camp in one of these. It's almost like you, you you don't have enough space to get by each other in there. They're so narrow. Right. That was my that was my question. You know, maybe it's because we're used to more more room naturally here. Yeah. Uh, or culturally, is is that something you've ever acted on? Did you take a, a ride in one? Because they offer tours in vehicles like that, oh, right? I'm I'm planning to. Yeah. Next time I'm out that out that way, if I can if I can get. A good price, and you know I'm a cheapskate. But if I can get a good price on a canal boat rental, then I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try it out. But also, you know, uh, when when we're talking about this kind of recreational vehicle, RV vehicle stuff, you know, a, a lot of people end up inheriting these. Oh yeah. Instead of uh, purchasing them, yeah. and I, my parents, uh, so far as I know, don't own one, but. That would probably be the most likely way that I would run into these. Now, do I want to befriend, uh, you know, an emirate uh, in the Middle East to take a take a ride with them in their three million dollar mobile? Uh, it's it's essentially a mobile uh, palace, man, a palace, yeah. mobile palace, a yeah. mobile mini palace. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Yeah, for I, one, maybe once. Just, just the once, just to, just to see how everything works, you know, because <laughs> you gotta face the facts. Eventually, it'd be really inconvenient to live in these things. Oh yeah, it sure would. Mm-hmm. So let us know uh, about your RV experiences. If you have any words to the wise for your fellow listeners who are contemplating getting an NRV uh, and going out on a road trip. We'd love to hear that. Uh, you can also reach us at Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW. Post your own crazy RV pictures there. Yeah, and if you're in Elkhart, Indiana, I'd love to know what is in that museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or if you've just you know been passing through there you know, and it happened to stop. I'd and love to hear a, what's you there. you got yeah. a spare hour or two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let us know. Send some photos. Uh, and if you have a suggestion for a topic we should cover in an upcoming episode, uh, you can write to us directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. 
Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.